Guess what, party people? It's time to talk about gas gas. That's right. Let's talk about the 2022 Gas Gas EC300. This is a bike that was a long time coming for me. I was supposed to have this bike uh, quite a few years ago. In fact, I was supposed to have this bike before KTM did a majority like share buyout in the company. My interest in the Gas Gas waned significantly when KTM bought it because then I was like, okay, this is just going to be a red KTM and we already have a white KTM called Husky. I don't have like too much, you know, negativity towards it. There's a lot of people that really thought were mad at KTM for buying that thing off. What I think those people don't know or forget is that Gas Gas had gone bankrupt two times in the last 10 years before in the prior 10 years to that time. And their parent company was just going to dump them. Like they just weren't going to be existing as a brand. And so KTM came in there and injected some money back into that thing. And, and then it, it actually gets to continue as a brand. Albeit a red KTM where pretty much everything on the bike is just like you would find on a KTM or a Husqvarna. Notice how I don't say Husqvarna. I say Husqvarna. Because if you look at how it's spelled, it's Husqvarna. I, you know supposed to be that sweet i don't i don't have a swedish accent i've gotten into f1 a little bit here and so i'm looking at all these uh these european names and european pronunciations but i'm not going to try that i just i just muted this thing i think sorry there i just i kind of muted the the recording i hit the wrong button but anyway, so the Gas Gas EC, EC300, that's what we're going to talk about today. It's the 2022 model. Um, it's beautiful. It's red. It rips. Holy crap, it rips. That TPI motor on that 2022 is great. They've continued to kind of adjust their uh, fuel mapping each year of TPI. This is now like the fifth year of TPI because you had 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, so it's the fifth year that we've had TPI. The rumors are that they may kind of adjust where the throttle body, or I mean, adjust where the injection comes in in the 2023 model year. Uh, so we'll see if that actually happens um, with, with KTM, Husky, and Gas Gas, but uh, they've continued to improve it. I honestly, like, they're fantastic bikes. There's so many people that want to poo-poo the TPI system, and I don't really fully understand why they want to do that because honestly... I've had more TPI bikes than probably just about anyone. Um, there's probably somebody else that's bought more of them, but I, it's, I'm right up there of the people that have had more of these bikes than just about anybody else. And I will say that they run amazing. Uh, some tuning is required sometimes. Um, it's, not, it's not like a four-stroke where it just runs perfect right out of the box all the time. It runs 95% you know, 90, 95%, any of the, none of your carburetor bikes run as good right out of the gate as what a TPI bike does. That's in my experience that that's been the case. So this is a kind of a, a first impressions type podcast here. Um, I'm not going to give the full review because I don't know. I've actually only ridden, gone on two rides on the bike. There's been a lot of stuff going on here, you know, behind the scenes with my business and with my family and and it's colder at this time of year. I'm recording this podcast on November 30th, um, right kind of after the Thanksgiving holiday here and the break and everything. And by the way, if you want to support Dirt Bike Channel, one of the best ways you can do it is by participating in the sweepstakes that we have going. Right now, it is November 
30th. And right now and through December 30th, you can enter to win two different motorcycles that I'm giving away. I'm giving away um, a 250XC, a 2021 KTM 250XE, and a 2022 KTM 250SXF. It's the motocross bike. Two people are going to win dirt bikes in this sweepstakes. It's guaranteed. It's bonded. It's insured. It takes a lot of money. <laughs> it takes a lot of money to do that. You can get entered over at dirtbikechannel.com. Buy yourself some gear from some DBC gear. That's a great way to enter. You can also use my affiliate links for Rocky Mountain ATV. That also gives you entries into the sweepstakes. And my last winner, uh, Chris, Christopher Hadley, Chris Hadley from Plain City, Utah. Guess what? He won that bike because of his because of him clicking on my link. He just went over to buy a sprocket for his Husqvarna. And he's got a, like a 2016 TE300. He, he needed a sprocket. He used my link to go to Rocky Mountain ATV and buy a sprocket. And that, we tracked it down. That is what pushed him over the edge. That's what, how he won a, a bike from me. So you can use that. If you, you can use my affiliate links to Rocky Mountain ATV. By the way, once you click on my affiliate links, anything Rocky Mountain ATV sells gives you credit in those sweepstakes. You don't have to buy any of the things that I kind of, I have like some lists of things up there to kind of get your juices flowing, but that's just to get the juices flowing. You can buy anything that they sell and it helps give me credit. I get a referral bonus for you using my link. Uh, it's good for everybody. So that's one of my favorite ways for you to uh, support this. You can also enter the sweepstakes by sign. If you've never signed up for my SMS list, like giving, you know, your, your phone number to me so that we can text you. That gives you some entries if you've never signed up for my email list. I have all that stuff over on dirtbikechannel.com, so go check that out. Um, yeah, so let's kind of talk about uh, the first impressions here of the gas gas. I'm going to talk um, about some of the things that I talked about in my YouTube video for this uh, initial impressions a couple of weeks ago, and then since that day that I did that initial impressions on the bike, I've ridden it one other time where we did, we, I put a little bit. So the first time I rode the bike, it was kind of out in the desert, just doing some faster stuff. There was no slow technical, at least not really anything to speak of just kind of a faster ride to go get kind of get the feel of the bike. And I don't want to say break it in. Cause I don't really think there is a motor break in or suspension break in. I honestly don't think there is, but uh, just kind of get me some time on it. So I did that the first ride and then, excuse me, I gave the first impressions and now I've ridden the bike one additional time a couple weeks ago and where we did more soft enduro stuff. It was a, it was a good mix where we had some faster flowing stuff. And then we also had some pretty technical stuff. There were a couple of moments in there where it was one of those times where I'm just like, holy crap, what are we doing? Um, that tends to happen when I go with my buddy Tyler, uh, but we had a good ride. It was, it was a short ish ride as far as like time goes, uh, cause it was cold and both of us had, uh, things going on with our businesses. Um, but yeah, so, but that I did learn some additional things on that ride. And I wanted to bring all of that to you here on this podcast, just in a little bit longer form. Um, I, I do love the, the longer form, uh, uh, thing of the, you know, that we can do with the podcast. So, you know, right off the bat, the thing that I noticed right out of the gate, um, cause I had been riding my KTM 300 XCW and my KTM 250 XC, um, you know, prior to this, uh, exclusively for the last, for the couple of months leading up to this. And for whatever reason, the gas gas just felt a little bit shorter front to back. I don't know if there's something different that is happening with the front end of that bike, or if there's some slight difference in the rear end. 
It's funny because it's got a linkage. Uh, the TEC EC gas gas EC three hundred has linkage. It's got the transmission of your uh, KTM XEWs or the Husqvarna TE bikes. So it's got the you know the wide ratio transmission with the low first gear, low second gear, and a bigger gap between second and third. It has that. Um, but it's also got the linkage similar to what you'd get on the Husky TE 300, the linkage on the rear suspension. For a hard enduro style bike, I'm actually kind of leaning now towards the PDS is where the, where the shock hooks to the top of the swing arm. And everyone wants to poo-poo that. I think it's because they read some article in a magazine in 1995 or 2000 or 2005 where it didn't work in motocross or supercross or something. Uh, my thought is, if you get these things set up properly with your with, with the right amount of sag, especially with the way the geometry of the front ends is now on these bikes, I cannot tell the difference between a linkage bike and a PDS bike. I can't tell. Maybe you can. Maybe you're so much more adept. The problem with a linkage bike, if you're going to do slow, hard enduro, soft enduro stuff, is that linkage. It's just another thing to hit on rocks and logs and things. You've got to protect that, and your bike doesn't slide as easily off of things. You can get hung up. That linkage can get hung up a little bit on some things, and that causes some issues. So, I mean, if it's going to be super hard enduro stuff, that is kind of a knock on the gas gas because it has that. A lot of you may disagree with me on that, and that's totally fine. I'm just saying I have both bikes. I've got I've got the bikes that have linkage, and I've got bikes that don't have linkage. And if it's going to be hard enduro, nasty, big logs, rocks, dropping down off big, long drops, you know, where it's like you're dropping down a foot, two feet, or you're climbing up things, it can be a, an advantage not having the linkage there. So, um, but but it does feel short front to back. And that was the biggest thing that I kind of noticed right off the bat. And it's very agile. So some of these bikes are just more agile than others. You can change that a lot by just changing the height of your forks. Most of the time they put the forks kind of on the second line. If you, if you look at the top of your forks, there's kind of like some, some rings around the forks. And you can look and see how high they are up in the triple clamps. A lot of them come kind of on that second line. So you can see two lines coming up out of the top of the triple clamps. Um, my 250XC is actually dropped a little bit down. The, the XC bikes uh, and, and on the gas gas, it would be the, the EX300. I, I haven't ridden one of those, but that's more, you know, that, that style bike where it's a, more of the cross-country style bike. You, you're going to lengthen the wheelbase on that. So they've got just the, just the for, front fork on this thing is the WP Explore fork. And uh, I'll talk about that. In fact, let's just talk about it right now. Um, the forks are very plush on this thing. There was a rumor. Some people were telling me that the valving on the bike got stiffer from 2021 into 2022. I don't think it did. I mean, they, they're often changing things with like tweaking valving here and there. Um, it, it, I, often, I laugh too because when, when I see if it's Yamaha or KTM or whoever, Honda, and they really talk a lot about you know, their, their model year updates and they say, oh, we upgraded, we did this to the suspension and that to the suspension and blah, blah, blah. What I'm really hearing is you did nothing. <laughs> you didn't do anything to the bike. And so you're highlighting these, oh, you put a different sham in, in the front fork and, and that's going to make it give it better, better, whatever performance and all this stuff. It's just all, a lot of it is window dressing. But I, I think that they, they have a very plush front fork on these Explorer forks in 2022, at least, um, and I, I bought a, a KTM 300 XEW for 2022, 
and the 250 XC for 2022. Haven't ridden either one of those bikes yet. So we'll see. Maybe the Air Fork uh, did get stiffer, but the Explore Fork, it doesn't appear to have gotten any stiffer, and it's very, very plush. It's very good. Um, I think most people, if you're within that, you know, one... 55 to 185 range you're not going to need to change spring rates and it's going to be pretty darn good for you unless you're like some super high strong fast desert racer person and then maybe you are going to have to you know stiffen the forks up or whatever but you will then you'll definitely pay for it in the slower stuff so the question is do you want the bike to be set up for the slower um, more technical stuff and that's where the ec300 is already set up and when i say slower i'm just saying you know high third gear and down it's not like you can't go fast on this bike. I've had the bike in fourth gear ripping, ripping along through whoops and stuff. And I weigh uh, right now I weigh about 160 and I'm carrying, you know, an 18 pound pack on me plus all my riding gear. I haven't actually stepped on the scale, but I've got to be close to with all the stuff I've got on. There's no way I'm not 190 and I've got the bike set up with 106, 107 millimeters of sag. Um, and, uh, it, it works out really well. So and, and you can, I can go fast. I can go fourth gear on this bike and I'm not blowing through the stroke. Even with the whole probably 190 pounds of, you know, actual weight that I'm putting down through the suspension with my body weight and with my riding pack and my, you know, gear, boots, helmet, all that stuff, you know, knee braces sometimes and just all of it. It's all heavy. And I, I have no problem with the front forks. They're really, really good. Sometimes on these things, I feel like it's, it's video game good. And then I'll try other people's suspension. I will try suspension revalves. I have never been blown away with a suspension revalve. I just haven't. You know, sometimes there are certain things that they've improved with them, but I've never been blown away with any suspension revalve. And maybe it's because I'm within kind of the weight range that, that, they, that these bikes are set up for from the factory. If I weighed 220 pounds and then 20, 30 pounds of gear, then yeah, like the suspension would be too soft and I'd be blowing through the stroke and getting into the harder part of the stroke uh, faster and, and then it might feel more harsh. Um, <clears throat> here's definitely something. So with me riding the bike a couple of times, they one of the ways that they've differentiated the gas gas from the KTM and from the Husqvarna's is by putting a, um, a brake tech brake, not all, the levers, You've got brake tech, brake and clutch. The master cylinders up on your, you know, your your handlebars, and then you have a brake tech, brake caliper on that front brake. You've got a brake tech, brake caliper on the rear brake. So it's brake tech brakes, and it's also a brake tech, you know, clutch master cylinder on your left hand. I don't have any problems with the with the clutch. I haven't noticed any differences with it. Some people have said, oh, it's a little bit softer pull <clears throat> because of the valving that they have or whatever the you know, the stuff inside there with, with the clutch and maybe, maybe not. I haven't really noticed. I haven't noticed that it's easier to pull. Um, but on the brake, I definitely have noticed that with these brake, specifically the front brake, um, the front brake, the brake tech brake, there is not as much braking power as what you have with the Brembo. And there isn't as much braking power as what I've had in the past with Magura brakes. In fact, I would say there isn't as much power as even a Nissan brake. <sighs> I, I would actually prefer a Nissan brake on this bike. The Brembo, or I mean the brake tech brake on the gas gas. It, it's got good feel. 
but there's not like a lot of power on it. It's I get to the point where I almost feel like I need two fingers. And part of it is because there's enough creep. I'm using the term creep because you have to pull the lever in more, so much more than you would on a Brembo brake. And so now you're pulling that brake closer to the bar. And by the time you, some of the times on these super steep downhills that I did on my second ride, it bothered me more on the second ride than it did on the first ride because I'm pulling in further, closer to the bar. And uh, there were a couple times that I felt almost like I needed to put a second finger up on there to get the like my middle finger because I normally am an index finger breaker and I almost felt sometimes like I wanted to put that uh, middle finger up on there and to get a little bit extra power on the front brake. And I, and my thought is if you had never, if, if you would only, if you'd never had a, Brem, a Brembo brake or even a, a Nissan, a properly tuned Nissan brake, um, over the last 10, 15 years, you might not notice, but when you're going back to back, cause I did that with Tyler, Tyler's got a 21, uh, 300 XCW that's got over a hundred hours, I believe. And his front brake on a bike that had a hundred, over a hundred hours felt better to me than my brake that had, you know, two hours on the gas gas just because it has more power, you know? And, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's not a reason not to get the bike, but I'd rather have the Brembo. And my only, the issue that I've had sometimes with the Nissan brakes, like on say like a, like a beta or a Yamaha, or even I think Honda uses them and, and Kawasaki certainly uses Nissan brakes. I feel like you have enough power, but you don't, you have enough braking power with a Nissan brake, but you don't have quite as much feel. So sometimes the brake can be a little bit grabby on the Nissan brakes, but I almost might prefer the grabbiness of the Nissan brake over kind of the lowish power and the creep where I have to pull the brake tech brake so far in towards my handlebar. I, I don't love that. Uh, with the rear brakes, it's also a rear, it's a brake tech rear brake. I don't have any problem with that. I've, it's fine. You know, you, you don't, you don't have, we don't have as much like finesse on our rear brake because we're using our foot and our ankle. And it's just, you're using your, basically your entire leg a lot of times, um, to break with, with the rear. And I don't have enough finesse where I can tell the difference. And so I don't have any problems with the rear brake. It was, it was totally fine. Um, I wish the bike came with handguards, you know, and it's funny because it doesn't come with handguards. It's the only KTM slash or Husky that doesn't, well, I've never bought a KTM or a Husky that didn't come with handguards, but the gas gas did not. It's also a touch heavier than I thought it would be like a pound or two over like the, and, and also it's a pound or two heavier than what I thought it would be even with the linkage, notwithstanding linkage. Let me see if I can pull up my website. If I keep like all the, all the weights of bikes on my website right now, it's, it's under a menu called past winners. And if you go to dirt bike weights, um, I have it there. I, and I weigh all the bikes full of fuel. It was 246.5 pounds. And to give you an example, the 2021 KTM 300 XCW was 241. So that means the gas gas was five and a half pounds heavier. I will give them two, maybe three pounds in the linkage because the KTM didn't have the linkage and the gas gas does, but that still means it was, you know, two or three pounds heavier. And I, the, notwithstanding the linkage. And I don't know where that weight comes from. Now, I don't think you can feel, you can feel that on the bike, but it is a little heavier and it didn't have the handguards. By the way, I'm very sorry. I screwed up major because my 2022 KTM 250 XC, 
I didn't weigh the sucker before I started putting stuff on it. I started setting it up and I started putting, I have several parts on the bike as I'm setting it up for, uh, for riding here soon. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I didn't weigh it with no aftermarket parts on it. So I, I won't have a 2022 KTM 250 XC weight on my website because I, I just, I don't, I couldn't do it. I stinking forgot so I, I need to get the 300 XCW in there and just weigh it before I put anything on it. But with the KTM, I, are, I already had a skid plate on there. I already put a um, uh, a radiator fan on the bike and a headlight on the bike and a couple of other things. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot to weigh it. So anyway, but the, the gas gas is a little heavier than I thought it would be. I don't know exactly where that weight is coming from there's a couple pounds in there that I can't really put a name on, especially because it doesn't have hand guards. Um, as far as the power goes, it's really smooth. There's really smooth power on the bottom end of that bike. This is one of, and I think it's just the luck of the draw. This is one of the best running TPI bikes I've ever had as far as just right out of the gate, because I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't, I took it out the first ride and I hadn't even adjusted the air bypass screw. That's the, you know, screw on the side of the bike. KTM says that's your, like, how do you adjust your idle? That isn't. I mean, you can adjust the idle does get adjusted by that turning that thing, but it's, it's only a secondary, a, it's a secondary thing. If you want to really adjust the idle on the bike, you have to put an idle screw in the bike, which I have videos on and, but I didn't do that the first ride. I didn't put an, in fact, I didn't do it the first ride or the second ride. I didn't touch the air bypass screw and I didn't touch the power valve on the side, on the right hand side of the bike, you know, the little square, um, brass key or whatever the brass bolt in there i didn't use that and it's very smooth it's got a lot of power tyler rode the bike when we went and did our soft enduro thing and you know it was i hadn't touched the air bypass screw uh and he said man that sucker is a screamer he was like this motor screams right out of the gate runs exceptionally well and we were comparing it to his you know bike that had a different ECU and, and maybe even a different head. We, we, he tries a lot of stuff. I try a lot of stuff. And, uh, I don't think that there was any benefit like the gas gas in stock form ran just as well as, um, as a TPI bike that had aftermarket ECU and aftermarket head and all this stuff. So a lot of that stuff I think is, well, I won't tell you what I think a lot of, a lot of those additional, uh, products are, but, uh, the bike is a screamer. Does this bike have any TPI problems? I cannot tell. It sure doesn't appear to to me. It runs amazing. However, during that day, we were doing the soft, you know, some soft enduro stuff. And when you're doing soft enduro stuff, you got a lot of low, P, low RPMs for a long time. And what I've noticed is you'll really be able to tell if your TPI bike needs that air screw in there when you're doing steep downhills. Steep, very slow, very technical downhills. The bike will start to die you know, and then if you adjust your air screw out to bring the idle up, then it gets too lean and then the bike doesn't run good. It's got a hanging idle. And so I could tell for sure on that second ride because of the soft enduro type stuff that we were doing steep downhills, you know, popping the front end over logs and just like, just really sticking your butt back as far as you can, as you push off the handlebars and go down these really, really steep uh, angles and, and side hills and stuff. I was like, the bike stalled so many times. I was so glad it had electric start. I probably had to start the bike 20, 30 times extra because it, it just wouldn't stay running on those steep downhills. Um, and so 
right after that, I knew that I was going to have to go home and install the idle screw inside the throttle body. So you take your tank off, you take your seat off. I take the bolts out of the out of the subframe, the lower bolts out of the subframe and just loosen the top bolts in the subframe. And then I, and then obviously you have to take off your air boot off the throttle body, uh, which is pretty much the hardest thing. And then you swing the, the subframe of the bike up and that way you can pull your air, you can pull your uh, throttle body off. I've done this twice in the last week because I did it to the gas gas and I did it to my 250XC. So twice in the last week, I have pulled these bikes apart and uh, used heat to heat up the glued in grub screw that KTM puts in that Dell Orto uh, throttle body and then put in a screw that I can actually adjust the idle. I've done it twice in the last week and I've actually gotten better, better about it. I have kind of a technique that I use to get that air boot off of the back of the throttle body. It's a six millimeter hose clamp, you know, six six millimeter bolt on that hose clamp that you use to loosen that hose clamp on the back of the throttle body. It's the air boot. You're pulling off the air boot and I just kind of jam a screwdriver in there now, a flat blade screwdriver, knowing that this is going to, it's almost like it's glued to the freaking throttle body. I don't know how, why that is, but it just kind of like adheres to that, um, to that cast aluminum throttle body. I'll jam a screwdriver back in behind, you know, underneath the air boot and get it on the back of the throttle body and then just kind of pry, pry that out while I'm pushing up on the rear fender and then boom, it pops off. I used to have such a trouble with those. But now the last couple that I've done have actually been pretty slick because I'm just using more pressure than I used to use before in the right place with a screwdriver. So I did install the the idle screw, um, but I haven't I haven't ridden it since because a lot of stuff is going on behind the scenes here. Uh, so the next time I go out, I'm going to take a flat blade screwdriver, which is always in my riding pack, um, and I will then adjust that air bypass screw. I will start with it turn. I'll probably turn it all the way in and then back it out one turn and then just kind of tune the bike with that and just keep tuning it to get it into a spot. Cause I think it was about three and a half, four turns out, um, right now, you know, when it was stock, I've turned it in and then backed it out one turn. Each one of these bikes has been a little bit different, especially each model year. I've had to have that air bypass screw in a slightly different place because they keep adjusting the air, the fuel mapping, and they've made it, they've made it more rich, which is great. 2019, 2019, the bikes ran really, really lean on the bottom end. Now here in 2020 and 2021, and now 2022, they appear to have more fuel in the low RPMs, um, which is a good thing. And so I'll go out there and I'll tune that. And I honestly, my guess is I, I won't really need to touch the power valve. So when I'm tuning the bikes, the very first thing that I'm doing is I'm using my air bypass screw you know, I'm now I'm reaching under the car or under the throttle body and using the new and in, newly installed uh, idle screw to adjust the idle where I want it. And then I can adjust my air bypass screw, which is that silver screw on the outside. I can adjust that independently, you know, of, of the idle and I can get the thing to run. It's, it's almost like just tuning your idle circuit on a c- traditional carburetor. That's how it kind of feels is, is what you're doing there. And then once I get it running like that, then I ask myself, is this like, does it feel like it's uh, spinning all the way up to the, you know, getting into the meat of the power and is it smooth through that transition? And 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 if it is, then I'm not adjusting the power valve. If I feel like there's like a little bit of a rough spot or something, then I start playing with the power valve in like half turn or quarter turn increments one way or the other to kind of get the bike to go to feel smooth and to feel like it hits the way I want it to hit. I don't even put a different spring in there. You know, in the old bikes, they would give you, 
it would come installed with the uh, yellow auxiliary spring and you could put the green one in which would keep the power valve closed longer or you could you know or close up until a higher rpm i should say or you could put the red spring in there and that would allow the power valve to come fully open at a lower rpm and i used to think five ten years you know five six eight years ago i'm like oh i'm a red spring guy now i'm just like i don't know i I think i can get just as much um just as much, uh, you know, tuning out of the bike by leaving the main spring that's in there, which they give you the yellow spring. They don't even give you springs anymore, but I feel like I can tune it. Um, and each bike is a little bit of an individual And this one. I'm not sure that I'll need to change it. My gut feeling is I, I won't. Um, and then just last thing about it. I mean, I, I really do like the red color. I, I, I love it. I love it being different. I love seeing the red fender up there. Um, I love seeing the shrouds. It's got a little bit more of an angular, like, uh, look to the to the radiator shrouds i think they're going even more angular in 2023 on all of the ktm bikes from what i can see but this 2022 gas gas has a little bit more of an angular squared off look to it on the fender both the front fender the rear fender and on the shrouds the radiator shrouds the one thing i wish is that uh, i'm not a super fan of the white so they've got a rear a white rear fender and it's got a white um you know, air box cover to get to your air filter. And, and that just ends up looking dingy. But the, but the one, you know, that white air box cover on both sides, like it would be your number plate, you know, essentially, which I get it. So you're going to do a lighter color on the number plate because people are going to stick stickers or numbers on there. I get that part, but I would just prefer to have a, a red rear fender. I think the bike looks sick and it would look even better with a red rear fender instead of the white. I th- same thing on the KTMs. Like the KTM 250XC, it's got a white rear fender. And I just, I just don't dig that at all. I want the KTM to have an orange rear fender. I want the Husky to have a blue rear fender. I mean, well, the Husky, the Husky's more white anyway, so whatever. Go for, throw a bunch of white on the Husky. But I, I don't like a bunch of white on the gas gas. I want it to be red. Honda does it right. Honda typically doesn't put like a bunch of white on their bikes. So Honda has got it down, but KTM and gas gas, a little less white on these bikes is is what I would prefer. The bike looks sweet. Lean into the red, man. You know, lean into it. That's what I say. So yeah, that's, uh, those are, those are my, those are my initial impressions of the gas gas, 2022 gas gas EC 300 Really loving the bike, really enjoying it. It will be a sweepstakes bike sometime in early 2022. That feels good. I'm ready for 2021 to be over. I just am. I'm more of an even number guy. I, you know, even though I was born on an odd number back in the 80s, I feel better about even numbers. I just, I just do. And so coming into 2022, I hope that uh, we have a really good year. And um, if make sure you get your entries. It's the last hurrah of 2021. We've got that sweepstakes going where you can win my favorite bike on the whole planet, the KTM 250XC. I love that bike. Um, And and also, consolation prize. If if you're not the grand prize winner, you're going to uh, get that uh, 2022 KTM 250SXF. I want to do some more track riding next year, but I don't want to do it on an orange bike. I want to do it on any other color. Honda would be my top preference. I want to get a Honda. I want to get the Honda CRF 250 RX for sure, if I can. And if I was getting another track bike, I would either get the Honda or the Yamhammy, the YZ250, um, you know, YZ250F, I guess is what it would be. So yeah, you can win both of those bikes for me. It would be super cool. 
And you can also use my links to Rocky Mountain ATV, you know, to get entered. You can get entered at dirtbikechannel.com. You can use my links to Rocky Mountain ATV. You can do a bunch of things. You can also send in a postcard, but that's no fun because uh, that doesn't make the world go around. But it does It does keep the things legal, these, uh, these sweepstakes legal. So thank you so much for the support. If you have podcast topics, sorry that they've been so spotty. You would not believe the things that I've been dealing with on my side. I try to keep you guys shielded from most of that, but you wouldn't believe it what's happened even if I told if I told you so but if you have podcast topics send them over to me Kyle at dirtbikechannel.com or customer service at dirtbikechannel.com and we'll take a look at them so until next time thanks so much and leave a single track appreciate it guys